Hello you dandy darlings and welcome to episode 5 of the Pseudo Intellect Podcast. Now I have been sitting on this episode for a while because I've had a reduction in productivity recently. I would say I'm a pretty positive person but we all spend time on the struggle bus, myself included, and that has resulted in me just not getting things done which then leads to self-punishment, guilt, perpetuates the, the demotivation and lack of creation, despite creativity having a beneficial effect on how I feel. So I'm not doing the very thing I should be doing when I need to the most. Anyway, things will become clear as I talk with my guest, Chloe Thompson. She's my brother's girlfriend and his cohabitant, but also my friend and She's like a big sister, definitely a great person to have a DMC with. And we're pretty similar personality-wise. Both have high levels of empathy and decent EQ. Now, I'm not going to labour this intro. Basically, it's the 2nd of January. It's that time of year. Post-Christmas slump. It was all hype, hype, hype. Now it's down, down, down. Summer feels so far off. January blues is this accepted phenomenon in society that we all feel down. I mean... Why the hell is that normal? Although, a good thing for most of you guys is that Cadbury's cream eggs are back in the shops until Easter. But I'm a fucking vegan, so can't even benefit from that. God, I hate me sometimes. Anyways, I've been in a bit of a rut and feeling demotivated. And Chloe would also say she has been too. So this episode is a helpful one. Don't get it twisted. It's not negative. It's matter of fact, but positive. So we talk all things mindset, motivation, self-doubt, just getting started on those goals and New Year's resolutions, which is very apt for this time of year. I do hope that you find it helpful because I know I did just creating it. Alrighty then, off we go. Hi, Chloe. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Pseudo Intellect podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you. you. We only talked about this the other day, actually, on yeah. Boxing Day. And I was telling you about this episode I was planning to do. But then we got chatting about life. And I wanted to have you on anyway, because like I said to you earlier, I always feel better after I speak to you um, about things. Like You're like my big sister. So cheese I know but it's true um you'll see when we start talking that she's a wise little lady so and can I just interrupt just to say I'm extremely proud of you (laughs) for doing this because I think you've been circling around something for the last couple of years and I think I'm just extremely proud that you're creating something Thank you. And I remember giving you a little book called The Goddess Guide yeah, and I, I wrote it. in the front of it I just saying it. <laughs> it's a stupid, I, it's a celebration of being a woman and it's, I, I love the book because it's beautifully illustrated, it's got yeah, pictures it's everywhere, yeah. but it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's like 
the goddess bible but i i just wanted to give it and i wrote a note in the front saying yeah, i hope did. it i hope you create because mm-hmm. I, I feel like you've been yeah and you have and i'm really proud that you're doing it because actually just starting something is, is really hard it's the hardest thing yes but you are very qualified to say that because you've done an awful lot that's quite a good segue actually because i've done an intro but i'd like you to talk about just a bit of your journey in life, like your qualifications and credentials, because you have a lot. And what I find interesting is when you said to me before is that you see the amount you've done, but then what you're doing currently is almost like you've had lack of follow through, which I just dispute. I just think that's really unfair on yourself. And a lot of people, I think most people would agree with me and be really impressed with your CV. So just start off including your hobbies and interests, but also your career. Just just yeah. tell everyone about what you Yeah, I just sort of done. how, should I just say how I got to where I am today? Yes. Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> I am a creative person through and through. Mm-hmm. I'm happiest when I am creating something. And I think the reason you've asked me on is because we were talking on Boxing Day and we are both perhaps a bit fearful around new things we're doing. Mm. What are they going to actually manifest themselves mm-hmm. as? What, what? So there's a mutual kind of fear. Yeah. But also it's amazing to go through that with someone at the same time. Yeah. So in school... I'm one of those people, I would say, I'm not very good at a lot of things, but I'm very good at probably three or four things. Mm. And they're all very creative things. Mm. So I formed quite strong opinions about what I was and wasn't good at from quite a young age in school. Mm. So I thought, oh, I'm, maths was fearful territory for me. I've, I thought, well, I'll probably avoid jobs that involve numbers going forward, which yeah. subsequently that didn't happen. But then you kind of form strong opinions. You you form a narrative and you tell yourself Early a story as well. Yeah. I'm sure you have mm. about what, and they're self-limiting thoughts really, aren't they? Absolutely. Just to pick up on, you know, obviously this harks back to the episode I did on beliefs. I yeah. know you've listened to it, but yes, um, I have. you just said that you decided that you weren't very good at maths yeah. and you decided that you were good at uh, quote unquote, more creative things. Actually, Yes, to an extent, people have aptitudes. They do, of course. Some things more than others. But there is something called learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is a state that occurs after a person has experienced a stressful situation repeatedly, or maybe not even repeatedly, maybe that just a, a significant stressful experience. And they come to believe that they're unable to control or change the situation. And perhaps that's maths for you. Perhaps you just struggled in class a bit or maybe not even all the time you just had this feeling on one occasion you may not even remember that specific occasion but you just thought that's hard and Mm. I'll avoid that yeah um because I don't like this feeling that it's hard absolutely um and but I know that I've just naturally found that a bit easier so let's go that way but then it just perpetuates yes (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) I I, I think that's very accurate so (laughs) I when, to, when you're kind of opting in for subjects, I've tended towards the more creative ones. But I'll be completely honest, I didn't take it that seriously because mm. I thought I'm going to be a dancer. Yes. Which was my passion. And what dance did you do? What dance ballet? Yeah. To a high standard. Yeah. Yes. yes. And so I danced. I, I stopped dancing when I was 18. Yeah. But yeah, it was my life. My mum would ferry me there every day. For, so I danced from the age of three years old. So obviously it was... To this day, it's part of my identity. Yeah, I love to dance. Mm-hmm. 
for pleasure now rather than with there being any kind of ambition in it. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I, I thought I'm going to be a dancer. With that came a lot of kind of self-esteem issues. And without going too much into that period of time, I decided perhaps dance wasn't going to be in my future. Mm -hmm. But then it left me going, oh, my goodness, what on earth am I going to do? Mm. So I ended up going to uh, get, well, I worked quite hard and I got a portfolio together because I thought I'm going to go to art college. Mm -hmm. So my mum, I have to say, she always encouraged me to be creative. She saw that I loved to do it. Mm. She never told me, like, I never believed that I couldn't do the thing I wanted to do. Yeah. That's great, actually. It though, is. It is great. To be fair to her. Absolutely. Mm. And my mum and dad, they, they were like, we just want you to be happy. So I went on to, I got into St. Martin's, which is yeah. a, a... Central St. Martin's. Central St. Yeah. Martin's. And just, um, I did... just art. Um, yeah, well, I just, you it? look at it and you go, oh, I'll never get in there. But again, if you try, the chances are you might. And I think I probably scraped my way in. No, I'm, sh I'm um, sure you, you are very talented and also a grafter as well. I worked hard to get it, mm. get my place. I can't say I always worked hard in school. Mm -hmm. I didn't like school. But do you think that's because um, school, particularly when we were at school, because uh, you're 31, yeah. And I'm 29. Yeah. So particularly when we were at school, I don't know, I don't know many kids, um, but they, the focus was more on academia. Um, so you feel like you're dumb if you're not academic. I was pretty academic, but mm. I know talking to people who um, did prefer um, the more creative subjects that they weren't deemed quote unquote smart. Whereas mm. in my opinion, we just have this one-dimensional view of intelligence yeah. in society yeah. still, although I think that's shifting. But there are so many different types of intelligence. There's um, creative intelligence. Um, there's emotional intelligence. Yeah. And then how do you even define academia? Because someone might not may not be so good at maths, but they may be excellent at English, which then you could argue is, is creative because maybe that involves mm. writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe that was the the learned helplessness thing creeping in again. Mm. So you felt like the creative stuff was yours. Most of school is maths, English, geography, science. They're academic. You felt like you're not good at them. Um, yeah, and it's your experience in that class. experience, yeah. Because I, to be honest, I did. I just found it repetitive. You know, we go into our hour lesson. I suppose it was the structures around school and the anxiety, as you quite rightly and it's. Highlighted. It's all exam focused because essentially yeah. you're taught to pass exams and yeah. um, exam strategy. And actually, God, if someone spoke to you like now, they'd never think that you um, found school difficult because you're so mm. articulate and you are intelligent. Um, so they would never think that of you. Mm. Oh, it was a but really hard time for me, school. Was I, I was quite bullied, I think. But one thing I have always had, and it must come from family, I've never followed the crowd. Mm. And I think that makes, as you, if you're an outlier, you are, you can put your, you open yourself to criticism <clears throat> from your peers. And do you know yeah. that's so valuable though, because mm. that can be the difference between you pursuing something and not. So yeah. me, yeah. I always wanted to be a vet. And I won't go into the ins and outs of this, but mm. it was kind of put to me, despite being 
very academic actually but mm. it was just more the belief that a certain someone in my I, my life had and I wasn't emotionally intelligent enough at the time to counteract this so I just went with the advice I was given yeah um I think the belief they had was you need to be a genius to be a vet which is is not um, it, it's not true um of course it's a hard course and it's very competitive but yeah. if you want it enough you you can do it and also I, I think I it was certainly within my reach I just it's a regret of mine but how long did you actually spend do you think trying to make these decisions for yourself do you think you agonized over the decision of being a vet or do you think you just kind of I wanted to be a vet from about the age of four or five right okay and I always thought I would and then obviously when options came up so it was more like I got without going into grades and stuff I got like double a star GCSE in science and like one of the highest in the year and like did well across the board of my GCSEs I'm like this isn't me to talk about my grades here I got good enough grades to be able to then go on and do like all all Mm. science A levels and and have a bash at it Um, and even if you don't get in first time uh, the amount of doctors that I've worked with that got in second time and brilliant doctors and super smart people um so but anyway just that's just to reiterate the importance of the people around you are mm. so influential yes, yeah. and how that can actually influence the path you take in life yeah. and your life can be completely different. So it's something that I kind of vow for people around me or, you know, when I eventually become a mum to never let them think they can't do something. Absolutely. Unless it's really unrealistic. Let's say my child had diagnosed learning difficulties and they wanted to be a vet we could probably say that it's far less likely but that doesn't mean that they couldn't deviate into something similar like maybe be a veterinary nurse that's no less good it just means but there is different expectations in terms of academic success Mm. that's what I'm saying I'm Mm. not saying either is better or worse arguably the veterinary nurse gets to spend more time with the animal so Mm. yeah but anyway we're kind of digressing as I knew we would (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah but that's great about your your parents that they just encouraged yeah, I think you they, and... they, they ultimately I think at that at that time it was a case of you know you, you want your child to be happy I think they saw that I'm I've, I'm a quite a sense we share this being quite sensitive mm. and it at the time if someone called me sensitive my mom would be like oh gosh you're so sensitive I'd be like I'm not sensitive. And you, you see it as um, a slighted character. Yeah. You see it as, a, as a, um, a fault. But actually, I, I love the fact that I am because I think that I am attuned to how other people might feel. Your I, sensitivity enables you to be empathetic. Absolutely. And empathy allows you to put yourself in the position of someone else, um, take into consideration how they feel, mm. and then act accordingly usually with kindness absolutely um because as humans we all want to relate to each other mm. i don't actually think one human hates another i don't i don't think that i just think it comes from a lack of understanding understanding someone else empathy yeah usually it's maybe they're a bit self-involved but it doesn't mean they're bad it just means they just don't even consider absolutely how that other person is feeling it's not that they they have intention to hurt most of the time occasionally they do but that's malice and that's something completely different but yeah most of the time when people hurt each other or fuck up they it's probably lack of empathy yeah Um, anyway went on to 
leaving. I basically was terrified after graduation because I'd left the structures and the safety of university Mm. and people going off to work on Doctor Who, people going off to work on amazing things. And I wasn't certain that I wanted to immediately go into film, nor could I afford to go to the National Film and TV School Mm. and skill up and, you know. So um, I kind of hit a huge roadblock and then I ended up taking a job in advertising, which was at Pinewood Film Studios. Mm. And I got to work, I basically really enjoyed it and I spent I actually spent five years there mm-hmm. I got to work on different films and you know writing getting coverage the purpose was to get brands coverage across different things mm. productions so this morning whatever it might be so I did that for a bit all the while with makeup in the back of my mind and I decided to go and do a course at I saw some girls lining up outside uh, they were filming Dark Shadows, which was a film at the time. It was, mm. well, it, it was one of them, one of the bigger films. And I saw it was primarily girls, to be honest with you. And I saw these people queuing up outside and I stopped one of them. I said, what are you doing? And she said, oh, we're um, we're queuing to go in to the makeup course. And I said, oh, and they, they, so they'd started up the previous year, uh, a place called the um, Ivor Academy, which is a, a really nice established hair and makeup school. I ended up doing that course the following year. I thought I have to do this. But then I didn't pursue it. Did you ever work with makeup? Like yes. did you ever get any professional yeah. gigs? Professional, yeah. Mm. They weren't particularly well paid, so but not in film. And then I ended up basically taking another safe job. And I feel that that was probably a point that was an opportunity for me and I met a hairdresser on the training she was a she mainly worked in fashion she offered me an opportunity and i didn't i didn't take it what in makeup in it was helping her with hair actually oh, okay. but it would have been both sure and i didn't take it and i feel i can't know for certain because i think things come to us when they come to us mm. but i didn't for whatever reason mm. again operating from a place of fear not thinking you're actually good enough to do it not certain that that's the right thing mm-hmm. and what I would say is just take opportunities because mm. they may not come up again. Just you have to create opportunities for yourself. And I ended up taking a job. I went and worked in a full services advertising agency. So in client services, because I've always enjoyed working with people. I like to subtly, I'm not the loudest person, but I, I find that I can sew the thread together for the team. And yeah. I, I, I like to... <clears throat> working teams so I worked in a full services ad agency and then I got a job with well I was working for Universal Pictures in London yeah in a digital agency running their trailer breaks and doing work on different projects for them Mm. I think I did that job because I felt I should it was safe it was well paid and I it gave me a sense of direction and for everyone else on the outside it probably looked like I was achieving because mm. Universal Studios that's a kind of front of mind brand isn't it so front it sounds of brand. it sounds great good. but if when you you introduce this episode saying you feel that you have kind of gone on different paths and you haven't actually mm. that is accurate though because I don't feel that I have had in, internally I haven't been clearly able to articulate my direction. Mm -hmm. So it looks like I've achieved different things and Mm. I've done lots of different things. But for me to feel at peace and to feel 
like I'm on the right track is when I finally I'm doing that thing every day that I I can believe in and get and back myself in that and feel yes I this comes naturally I'm happy in what I'm doing and I didn't I've never felt like that in a job and concurrently while doing that job you also have a side hustle right yeah exactly so that which is it's it's the ridge yes so I do that with my mum and my sister Mm -hmm. and that came about because we each wanted to do well to be honest it came out probably wanting to make a bit of pocket money Mm. but also my mum is a very I think I we grew up in a house where it was drawing the music was on there was reading painting drawing it was very that's a creative house Mm. my sister's a fashion designer my brother works in advertising as well and yeah we thought what can we do together and did ended up my mum and I went and trained as Chandlers we did a candle making course Mm. that was random (laughs) but then we we did it and loved it Mm. so it's sort of a happy accident and then my sister's my sister was like oh we should she my sister came up with the name Mm. which has this personal reasons for the name mm-hmm. but yeah we love that and we've been doing that for properly for about four years mm-hmm. and it's very slowly grown but mm-hmm. I think I love to do that I, I like it, it's something that's my own yeah and I think that's so, how you must feel with what you're creating definitely. you're creating something you feel you need mm-hmm. to do you're mm-hmm. compelled to do it yes for sure I think um the podcast is often they say that authors write books for themselves books that they need to read and I think that my podcast is what I need to hear. So, yeah, I would certainly say that's part of what it is. But, yeah, you can currently do the the Ridge. You still do that. Also, catch them on Instagram and they have pop-up shops everywhere. The product is so good. I know this is a shameless plug, but it's... I, <laughs> shameless it's, plug. It's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's so reasonably priced. Um I wasn't like obsessed with candles, but they are nice and they're just a really good gift. Um, just look them up. And so after Essence, you moved to Cambridge to live with my brother. Yeah. And <laughs> um, you got a job in yeah. what field? Advertising again. Yes. And then... Yeah. I jumped at that job because um, I was I wanted to move in with, with Paddy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I probably, there was a bit of naivety, but I also think naivety is quite a blessing in life because you would never do anything if you were aware of mm. everything that lay ahead you at troubles you know any poor decision I think however the job wasn't a poor decision I've moved to Cambridge where I, I love Cambridge mm-hmm. things also I feel like I can get my arms around the city more than London yeah I've made so some fan- absolutely mm. I've made some fantastic friends there and you know obviously living with Pat but the job I hated, yeah. actually. And I think in other client services roles, I've been able to offer up some creative thinking or be involved in the strategy. But I think this was the final kind of uh, shunt I needed to really go, okay, enough messing around. Mm. You've pursued jobs that don't make you happy. Mm-hmm. And I think most people are in that position, mm-hmm. but I quit and I didn't have, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> you quit with, just bear in mind, quit with no job to go to, which was pretty brave in my opinion. And, um, and reckless. I, I'm lucky that your brother's understanding and kind of open and, but I quit with no job to go to, but I did get a job you were saying about beliefs. So I, yeah, like 
So you got a job. Let let's start with that. So you yeah. got a job, and it's not in the field no. that you. So if you look at Chloe's credentials and her CV, she's had some big jobs, and she's very well educated. So you got a job in two days because needs must. You had bills to pay, so you managed to make that happen. You just quit because I suppose then that kind of galvanizes some get up and go to to just do something else or just get out of your current situation that isn't making you happy well as Um, you said if you have to do something you you will will make it happen yeah we all make excuses that we're too busy but in my opinion it's I'll go on to talk about this well I suppose this is a, a good segue to that now we say I can't do this because I'm too busy I can't do this because of that have you ever had a time or something to do where you just made it happen because you simply must. For example, I was such a chronic procrastinator, still am in many ways, but let's say at uni revising and I would leave it right to the brink and then I would have due days to revise for an exam and there was just shed loads to know. Well, I just went hell for leather with the revision, did an all-nighter the night before the exam. I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying this is how it was. And I made it happen because I had to, Mm. even though it seems impossible. So actually, you know, if you are a new mum and you say that you don't have the time, I'm not talking about newborn sort of era, but let's say you're a mum and you say you don't have time to go to the gym, but actually you watch an hour of TV at night. That might be your only downtime. I know. I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't have that time. I'm just saying it depends what's more important to you. That hour of downtime, watching the TV, maybe with your husband or partner or or whatever, which absolutely you should prioritize if that's your only downtime, or exercising. And I'm not saying one or the other is better, but it's what you're prioritizing. So if you really, really wanted to exercise, you would replace that hour of TV with with exercise, but you're mm-hmm. deciding to prioritize your downtime mm-hmm. and time with your your partner. Absolutely, because you want to maintain your relationship and you want to stay a bit sane so you can carry on being a mum. I'm not judging. I'm just saying often it's just how you prioritize. So you want the downtime and your relationship to prosper over getting that body that you want. And that's fine. But it's just to put into perspective how you can readjust things if you really want. But it's just acknowledging whether something's a priority or not, rather than punishing yourself for Mm, not doing it or, or feeling that something is unfair because you don't have the time. Reframe it and just say, actually, that's not a priority. So, I mean, this whole kind of episode, really, I want to do It's I think it's quite apt for the time of year. I don't know, recently, I've just been talking to a lot of people and they feel down or they feel stuck in a rut. I don't know if there's something in the water. And it's like many of these people, you know, their life appears great. I know, I'm sure you've heard this said in loads of podcasts and loads of self-help social media, but I just feel like it's, it's, it's really pertinent to me right now. Things appear great, but actually people feel trapped or lost or down. And I just wanted to talk about this because New Year's coming up and I know a lot of people will make New Year's resolutions. Mm. 80% of New Year's resolutions are broken by mid-February and it takes 66 days to form a new habit, Mm -hmm. which is about two months. So people are breaking them before the habit is formed and they may not even have been, you know, 
doing it consistently to even really try and form that habit. But just because this is New Year, people are going to be setting New Year's resolutions. And I just want to kind of talk about that and to talk about kind of the mindset behind that. And maybe this may help you maintain those New Year's resolutions or ensure that you don't set unrealistic expectations for yourself. Maybe that you don't set too many. So you're setting yourself up to fail so that you feel shit about yourself. Because generally when we break those, we, we do. And the whole idea is is to make these resolutions to make your life better, not for you to break them and then punish yourself. So this is kind of a mishmash of things. It's just kind of reflective of how I'm feeling, how anecdotally I feel people around me are feeling. And just, I just think something that people maybe need to hear at this time of year. Everyone's on a downer. It's January. Christmas has just gone. Why is it normal we have January blues, by the way? I just find that so strange. We've created this culture the narratives around it yeah we dread january we dread monday because we have these lives where we just we're following the status quo and we hate the nine to five grind i know not everyone listening does but i think it's strange that that's normal but anyway Mm. i'm digressing this is kind of the essence of this episode sorry it's taken so long to kind of get into that but i just thought it was important to introduce chloe just so you could see it just gives you a bit of context. As you know, this is my fifth episode. I've lost momentum recently and that's kind of left me feeling bad about myself. So I'm feeling better about things, but I feel like this episode will help me get momentum going again. I do have so many ideas and and thoughts and so much to do with this podcast, but it does take up a lot of time. And yes, maybe it's lack of prioritization from, from my part, but I think as well, if you feel bad in one realm of your life, it kind of leaks into to other realms. So work's been tough at the moment. And that just then can leave you feeling demotivated. And when you feel demotivated, you know what's good for you and you know what you need to do. But somehow it's so hard to execute at times. And that's the time when you actually need to. And yet we are our own worst enemy. Mm. Um, but motivation, that's absolutely, if, you're, if work's kind of chaotic or affecting your, your questioning yourself, your self-esteem, mm. that will absolutely impact other decisions you might make because you don't, what you're saying to yourself is I actually, I'm allowing this to take away from what I need to do from myself, for myself yeah. to progress. Mm. So you're not actually moving forward. Yes. We, so like people who know, let's say they're unhappy with their weight or how they look or whatever, and they know they need to exercise, but it seems like such a gargantuan task to even start. And what I would say, is it day one or one day? It should be day one, but it's so hard to just start. But then when I reflect, I, I'm kind of hard on myself about, you know, you haven't done enough. But then I reflect and be like, this time last year, I didn't have a podcast. Um, and I've done a lot this year, actually. Um, I'm one year vegan. I now exercise at least three times a week. I didn't at all this time last year. I have a podcast. 
I've grown my nails. I know people don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> that was such a bad habit fantastic. of mine. I mean, they're much better than they were. So they're not even a bad shape either. But I used to just uh, bite my nails. And that is such a hard habit to break. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm so happy with that, guys. Um, <laughs> progress. Progress, not perfection. But yeah, what's also perpetuating these ruts that we get ourselves into is comparison. We live in a digitally obsessed age. Like I mentioned, a lot of us don't like our nine to five grind and we indulge in escapism. And often that is either through TV or the internet or whatever um, and social media. And I'm sure everyone can relate to social media rabbit holes. And again, I know you've probably heard this so many times if you listen to any podcast like I do or read anything like I do that you get these social media hangovers where you feel shit about yourself because um, you see the highlight reel of other people's lives. And even though you know the highlights, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it still doesn't stop you feeling shit. And people think the same thing about your life. Um, They probably think your life is great and actually you don't feel that it is. But we compare so much. I know I do. And it doesn't help you. And the fact that you consume so much more than you create, again, I'm guilty of that. So as well, I kind of excuse it in that, okay, but this is helping me with content or um, this is relevant to the podcast or this is... It's knowledge. It's knowledge. I find it interesting, blah, blah, blah. But actually, I haven't created anything and I don't necessarily feel good after the consuming, but I do feel good after the creating. And when I say creating, I don't mean you probably think of the quintessential creativity like drawing or writing or painting. No, creating could be exercising to create a better body, better in quote marks, whatever you deem to be better, a healthier body, let's say. It could be anything. It could be going on a course to create that career that you want. So I don't mean creativity in the in the way that you think. So I think just getting that balance between consuming and creating that you should be creating far more than you consume. It's really interesting when you were speaking to me the other day about your next episode and you're kind of circling around it setting intentions for the new year. I have yet to make a specific resolution and I've realized the importance of being able to very clearly and precisely articulate, because words matter, what you set out to do. And I'm going to stop trying to say, once I have done this, it's always with the assumption that I'll be happier after having Mm. done that thing, as though happiness is a far off thing that's going to happen. Absolutely. That Mm. it's it's a tomorrow thing. I've realized when you were talking to me the other day, I was in my mind, I was going, wow, I've, why can't I just be happy now? Yeah. Because it's, I'm, my narrative is, oh, once I've done that, I will be happy. Once I have that outfit, I'll be happy. Once I've got my career sorted, but I have to enjoy, enjoy it now. Yes. And the thing is, I think you can say from experience that goal-orientated happiness doesn't work because Mm. otherwise you'd already be happy because you've already achieved many of the goals that you set yourself previously Mm. and it didn't change didn't change whether you were happy or not but it's 
I was unhappier, actually. Yeah, a lot of successful people say they're no happier than they were previously. It's just they, despite having all the success, it's a very elusive thing. I think that um, it's really plugged to us that we must be happy. We've become quite a self-aware generation Mm. and it's ubiquitous across social media about happiness and well-being and then it almost paradoxically has the opposite effect because we think I should look after my mental health and my well-being and be happy and we become really self-aware and then we like focus on it and almost Mm. obsess over it and then we're like but why am I not happy yet and then we get this guilt about it and then we kind of see it as so unachievable. So a couple of things I would say, what do we mean by happiness? Because there are different strands of that. Do you mean contentment? Do you mean excitement? Do you mean joy? What do you mean? I mean, I know we've all experienced happiness, but I, I do wonder what people mean when they say that. It's I see um, happiness as a an umbrella term, and then there are subcategories beneath that. I would also say that, unfortunately, our brains are not designed to be happy all the time. And I don't mean that in a doom and gloom way, but we are animals and your brain is designed to keep you alive. Fundamentally, it's designed to keep you alive. Have you ever wondered why you focus on the negative so much? Let's say your day, usually things go right. 90 odd percent of the things that you do in the day tend to go right. And then one thing goes wrong and you really focus on it and it's like the end of the world. The reason being your brain is focusing on it because there's a problem there that it needs to solve and it sees it as a threat to your survival. Now, look, if the computer isn't working, you're not going to die, but Mm -hmm. your brain sees it as a problem and sees it as a threat to survival. It's a primitive Mm -hmm. thing. So your brain cares about your survival, not about your happiness. Just because you can experience happiness, your brain's aim is not for you to be happy all the time. I just think it's important for people to know that. Firstly, so they don't put so much pressure on it because then it becomes elusive the more pressure you put on it. But also to understand that you will peak and trough. Mm-hmm. And by the very nature of humans, we almost can't be happy no, unless we're sad at times. Absolutely. Because the yeah. contrast is required. Yeah. And that's just the nature of humans. If we were a completely different being, I don't know, there's nothing I know that exists like that, then Mm. perhaps we could be. But by the very nature of being human, it's kind of impossible. Mm. Now, okay, excusing these enlightened people who, I've talked about this before, the people who are truly enlightened, that's different. Um, Yes. But actually, they generally wouldn't be able to integrate into society because they kind of just sit there and are in a state of bliss most of the time. So I don't think that's what everyone's looking for. I think people still want to live within society and achieve this happiness. So I'm just kind of planting that seed and putting it out there. I don't have all the answers, but I just knowing that is quite comforting in itself. What I admire about you is that you are willing and very open to well you like to learn Mm. and you question why you are doing something and I I think what has happened in the last year in particular is you've become very you're becoming becoming more self-aware yeah I kind of always was but definitely more so I think particularly in the last year or so 
What I'm okay with is I was always open-minded, but now I, if I think something, I am so open to doing a 180 on that now. Yes, because challenging your views are just so important. I have done a 180 on several things. And God, some of the things were really part of my identity. Mm. I won't go into it because parents will probably listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Let your imagination run wild, people. (laughs) I've really done a 180. Like Mm. if you know, if you're close to me, you'll kind of know some of the things I've been talking about. I think you've always cared what people think. And I'm trying to care less. I am a self-confessed people pleaser. As I would oh, say, yeah. you, you. oh, absolutely. And I'm nothing if not a hypocrite as well when I say that. So, you know, <laughs> but it's... but that's okay because being aware is is the first step because you exactly. can't achieve it straight away. Um, it's a process. Yes. So, so to set any intention, you have to be able to do the self work. Yeah, and there's going to be a yeah. period of hypocrisy while oh, you yeah, do it in order to achieve course, it. Yeah. Just because you're not there yet. It doesn't mean you then forget it completely and be like, well, I'm not there yet. So I'm never like, I'm never going to be like, I'm not there yet. Therefore, I'm a hypocrite. Therefore, I shouldn't do it. It's like, no, you can know something. You're not currently doing it, but you're striving for that. So that's okay. Chloe and I are hypocrites saying this at the moment. We're both people pleasers. Yeah, we're going to put that on our (laughs) CVs. Yeah. Hypocrite. And we're both people pleasers and we both care about what people think of us. But I'm really, really working on that because it doesn't, that is to the detriment of my happiness. But also, now people will recoil at this, but it's important to face up to the truth. People pleasers are arguably more manipulative mm. because you're being disingenuous at certain points if you're people pleasing, because you are going along with something you either don't want to do or going along with something maybe you disagree with in order to please that person. I'm not saying it's coming from a bad place. It's likely coming from a good place. But I need people who are people pleasers out there to be comfortable with the fact that it's manipulative. And I know that word is so loaded. I do separate manipulation, though, in that you can manipulate with sinister intent, which I deem to be wrong. And then, um, I mean, what is wrong anyway? But... It's another, that's a a deep philosophical question. But then you can be manipulative in a, you just, you go along with things for the sake of the crowd. Pack mentality. Yes. Mm. And because you don't want people to think bad of you. Mm. And and it comes from, you just want that person to be happy, I suppose. But actually, in my opinion, it's better to be direct and honest. Then again, you could argue that sometimes being honest isn't always the right decision because sometimes it takes a judgment call to not for the greater good Mm. it's really everything on its own merit Mm -hmm. so I'm not saying that being brutally honest every single time is the right way but I'm also saying that being a people pleaser doesn't benefit you and it doesn't benefit other people and I think that you need to accept about yourself if you are a people pleaser you're being disingenuous yeah to tag on to that I mean I think if you are having to compromise yourself and perhaps values you hold dearly for yourself, if it's making you unhappy and you're having to compromise yourself, I Mm. almost feel that's the tipping point. Mm -hmm. I think I 
Well, sometimes if it's insignificant to me, I will probably go along with the crowd because exactly it, it doesn't matter. It's to a me. judgment call. Yeah. If it's like yeah. insignificant, then. But it's just to be. It's just to kind of throw that thought out there because mm. then there will be times when it is more significant, mm-hmm. and then it can lead you being, lead you to being resentful, or you know, let's say even at work, burnout. Mm. Yeah, because you're always saying yes, and then that may increase your workload. It may mean that people aren't getting honest feedback from you, which doesn't help them develop. There can be so many negative repercussions Mm. to being a people pleaser. And most people think they're being nice and kind. Or it's selfish too. Yeah. You know, it's almost, well, that's selfish mentality. Yeah. Yeah. But how can, you know, with looking at what we've been discussing with goals, New Year resolutions, intentions... If you distance yourself so far, which I have done when we've, we spoke about what I've done in terms of making choices, mm. they have been so far from, I've known on a very subconscious level, which has led to me, we've just, you've discussed them, stress, work fatigue. Yeah. But I probably, I could probably work just as hard if I was at ease with how I was spending my time or if I was at ease with, you yeah. know, if I was being honest and I, I'd have the same, I could have the same intensity of out, output, yeah. but I wouldn't have that fatigue and that same stress. Yeah. Every, we'll all be, we're designed to respond to stress as you were mm-hmm. talking about. But if you are, it's the self-work. So it's being, having that self-awareness to, you know, uncover what, what your drivers are, what you need as a person to be happy, what others around you need. Mm-hmm. And then you can go on to set, those intentions but I agree if you're not you are being disingenuous Mm. is what you're you're saying it's not intentional but you are you're just not aware the fact that I made a mistake and it was a simple one I won't make that one again so everyone can relate you learn from your mistakes or I won't make that mistake again just to kind of link it back to what I said earlier just so it gives you some context your brain focuses on that mistake you made in order for you to learn from it in order for you to survive. I just think that's a helpful way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. We learn from our mistakes because your brain focuses on them. So it's helpful in a way, but it is detrimental to this uh, elusive happiness that we all want, just just to kind of help us process that. So, yeah, I mean, kind of back to what you were saying, it's all hard work. Being a people pleaser is hard work and then being direct and going through that process of changing is hard work. It's all hard work, but I suppose we should do the hard work that gets us the output that we that we want mm-hmm. and the end goal that we want because it's all it's all hard. Mm-hmm. We're kind of darting all over the place here. Perhaps I should have said this earlier, but I just want to slip this in because it's something that I read not so long ago and it was just helpful. I was saying that I was in a bit of a rant and I got in my own head about the podcast. Why am I even trying? It's such a saturated field. You've got like big wigs like Tim Ferriss, etc. But then I thought, I love, there are podcasts that I love that let's say Nikhil doesn't, or there are podcasts that I love that I've recommended to people at work and they just don't get it or they just don't get as much out of it that I do. And that's fine. And I think they're absolutely brilliant, but they don't. And they like other ones. Like my colleague at work, she loves the Russell Brand one. He has his own value, but I just, <laughs> um, I'm not bash. Uh, you know, 
he's fine. Uh, what I don't like about him, and people actually accuse me of this, but I take exception to that. He uses superfluous language and he calls himself a wordsmith. I just don't think you get value for money with the words he uses. I just think that he plays around with words. Some people like it. it they say it's an art form, but I don't think I get as much out of it. There's not as much information because there's shitloads of words and Empty speech, in my opinion, bit of speechy jargon there for you. But anyway, I got in my own head about the pod, but to try and relate this to you, have you ever been told something 47 and a half times? And even though you know it right, it just, you know, it's right. It just doesn't resonate with you. But then it just takes that one person at the right time to communicate in their way this thing. And it just clicks. Mm. And then it enables that change in you. Mm. I think that's probably happened to everyone. So why can't my podcast be that for someone? The way I communicate may help things click with people. What I'm saying in this podcast, there's nothing new here. I've heard all of this stuff from someone else. There's not a lot of original thought. I'm adding like my own experience to it. But there's nothing original about it. And there's nothing original about what Jay Shetty is saying or, you know, what Tim Ferriss is saying. Like a lot of them are a fan of like stoicism or something that was written 2000 years ago. And they're just rehashing it in their own way. So original thought is quite rare, just so you guys know. And even if you think it's original, it's probably buried deep in your subconscious and you've got it from someone else. Mm. You just don't realize. So. I just went Russell Brand on you there. I just said, (laughs) see, I love him. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is I'm not a ready-made, super successful product. I'm relatable to the masses. I'm a 29-year-old who works for the NHS, earns shit money, drives a Ford Fiesta with a dent on the left side. I Oh, my God, that's so weird. I've got a dent on the left side of my car. Do you? (laughs) It's been there for years as well. (laughs) I... And relatable and maybe me communicating all this stuff in my way can just mean it clicks with you or sticks with you. I can listen to Tim Ferriss and I do find it inspirational. I do really rate him but it also just seems so unattainable because I only know him as successful. I've only see him, seen him as the ready-made thing and you can just easily think I'm never going to get there because I didn't know his process or see him go through that. But maybe because people know, like either people who know me or even people who don't, but they can just kind of see me on on social media can just feel that I'm relatable. And then maybe what I say can just be easier to digest and then help action change a bit more. That's kind of what I see the value of my podcast to be. Imagine if. Billie Eilish looked at the pop star scene and thought, well, there are so many pop pop stars already. It's Mm. all been done. Mm -hmm. She is huge. She is so successful and actually I think is quite innovative in um, how she does music videos. And I just really like her music. I think she's really cool. Um, Very emotionally intelligent for her age as well. Imagine she thought that. Then there'd be no Billie Eilish. So same goes for me. And I just think that your DNA is unique. How you are conditioned is unique and there will never be another one of you. Mm -hmm. So whatever you want to do, don't deprive the world of that. See it as selfish if you don't do what you can do, that you are depriving the world and others of your potential and yourself. So you almost see it as a duty 
that you must fulfill your potential. Not to feel bad about yourself, but just it's another way of motivating yourself. See it as a duty to get these things done. Yeah. So it's your unique footprint. And as you say, no one will do something in the way you will do it. Mm -hmm. It's almost what's the thing you can't not do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important actually to be able to articulate what you need, what you want and what your intentions are very precisely. Mm. Because I just think it's it really puts you on track. And I do know that I want to have my own small creative business. Yeah. But I'm not able to articulate how I'm doing that yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it is very important to, when we first spoke, we formed strong ideas about who we are from a young age. And you constantly... You form all these narratives. Society tells you you're not good enough. Society will tell you this is the way to do it. If you take, if your parents are risk adverse, you will probably not go on to take any risks. Yeah. So you're, to actually take the time, I don't see how it can be a selfish thing. I see it as real progress. And our generation in some ways probably have it better than any other have ever had it. But actually, I see a lot of people who... I have a lot of stuff, but people don't feel like they are doing the right thing with their time mm. every day. Mm. I think that our parents' generation probably were the same as us in that they maybe weren't doing exactly what they wanted to do, but they it wasn't out in the ether to be so self-aware and it was a kind of more accept your lot attitude mm. and there was a status quo and... Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's really difficult to put your finger on. Are people unhappier now or do mm -hmm. they just talk about the unhappiness more? Mm. Um, or yes. were people happier previously because accepting your lot was just the norm? Mm. Therefore, you didn't know anything else. Therefore, it's easier to be content because I don't know. If someone else has some insight into that, I'd like to know. I did a post um the other day about perfectionism and you and I were kind of talking about that and I think that that can perfectionism can really paralyze you um in terms of achieving because I wrote about perfectionism is self-abuse of the highest order and that's Anne Wilson Shafe, she's a psychologist, I believe. And I was just talking about how perfectionism, it can run rampant on your self-esteem and your motivation. And it can paralyze you from actually getting what you want done. So it has done to me and I've kind of realized that. So I think it's inhibited my momentum in that it's not exactly right. Therefore, I don't get anything done. I mean, had I tried to be perfect um, with the podcast, I, I still wouldn't have one. I mean, I just whacked out one. Uh, the sound was crap. And I, I, I didn't sound like myself in the initial episode at all. But I just put it out there because I just thought, just get it done. It feels good to get it done. And actually, what we do is if we aim for something to be perfect, it, it, never, it never will be because that's unattainable. But also it just you end up not getting as much done. You're less productive. So you're still going through pain, whether you're going through pain of putting something out there that's imperfect. But at least you have something to show for it at the end. And then you just keep doing more and more. And then when you've gone through the process of doing something, even if it is imperfect, 
you're learning from it. Um, you have something tangible at the end. Now, perfectionism and striving to excel are two very different things. So just, you can still have high standards, but it not be perfect. So it's important to differentiate those two things. And we can get into this like analysis paralysis type of mindset where we just analyze too much and it actually prevents you from executing. Uh, and I've definitely kind of been going through that too. Yeah, very much the same. Mm -hmm. Have you? Yeah. And I just think that's another thing that I've learned that's kind of helped me get out of a bit of a rut. Yeah. And like we said before, if you're doing something new, it's not going to be perfect because you haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. And pretty much everything you want is outside of your comfort zone. Yes. Because you haven't, you haven't got it. Yes. So you don't know how to do it. So it's outside of the comfort zone. So you've got to go through the pain to get it. So being, you have to kind of get comfortable with the uncomfortableness mm -hmm. and try and eliminate excuses because we often tell ourselves a story of why we're not doing something, don't we? And we've kind of spoke about that before and, and kind of how we prioritize. So look, I'd love to learn Spanish and I make excuses that I'm too busy. Actually, it's not a priority because it's not going to help me achieve what I want, which is, I'm not going to go into details about that, but the podcast, I have certain aims with the podcast and learning Spanish it's not going to help it's me with that. It's related to your ultimate Exactly. Driver. That it would be great to do, but I just don't think it should be a priority for me right now. So therefore, I've stopped feeling bad about mm. not learning Spanish because yeah, I kept saying it because... You're punishing yourself. Yeah. Punishing yourself for being human. And I could, but it would probably not give me the happiness or the the satisfaction that I'm after from knowing it because it's just not helping me with more important goals. I'm prioritizing the podcast, my relationship with my boyfriend, my friendships and spending time with my family and my dog and work and exercising. That is enough to be getting on with. Um, I also do like dabble in a bit of dance really badly. So and yeah. being a generally good human being, because you are there for other people, without going into too much detail on that. Yeah. So there's... But the idea of perfection, can't speak myself, perfectionism, it's a lie mm. that... Yes. And I, we, we spoke about this briefly in the kitchen. Having mm. worked in advertising for a pretty much a decade, I did, that... To see, I you know, you see the photo shoot and it's carnage, mm. and then the output is this perfect imagery that I'm promoting to people on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Mm. That for me, that's why I couldn't get behind what I was doing. Yeah, I love. And have you noticed on TV when you're you can have a panel of obviously getting into celeb territory here because yeah. it's the most relatable thing for your listeners. But have you noticed how you just you instantly like that person that doesn't sell you that that their their image of their perfect image yeah because more, it's a it, you it's your subconscious is telling you mm. that that's not real there's a lot of insecurity that person's worked so hard on maintaining this perf perfect image it's not the reality it's comforting to know that these curated 
celebrities, if they are a little bit more real, if I put that in quote marks, have the same pathologies as, as we do. And like you say, that it makes them more likable. It's a, it's a lie. Mm. Women are sold. Again, we spoke about currency. And when we're setting our goals, if we are looking to people as role models, you know, when we're setting these good intentions, if it's based on a lie, it will be very hard for you <laughs> to ever attain that because mm. it's a lie. Yeah. So and women's currency, we, we, you know, you and I, we both love makeup hair mm, fashion, you know, yeah. Fat, yeah but it, it's fun and we yeah but also we have to admit that women are conditioned right so how i see it as if you look nice you get positive feedback from people and you get external validation your looks your currency as a woman generally yes let's admit that so i'm not saying that that's all women are i'm just saying that okay let's be frank you often, you tend to see it this way around. Better looking woman with less good looking man. People accept when that happens. People always make a comment if, and you don't often see it as well, which is notable, the man is better looking than the woman. But also it's accepted if they are equally as good looking, whatever that is, because it's all subjective. Women's currency, like you say, is generally looks. Now, before the feminists get on my back, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's how I want it to be. I'm not saying that that is the case for everyone. I'm just saying, and that is how it is though. Because I wish that as women, we could worry about what we were doing mm. rather than how we looked while we were doing that thing. It's yes. a self-consciousness and you can never be free. And essentially it comes down to status. What gives men status? Money and power. What gives women status? Their looks. I'm not saying that you can't have a woman that has status because she has money and power, but then you, she would likely, if she was looking for a partner, want a partner that had equal status with money and power or above. You would unlikely see a woman with more money and power than the man. And that can happen, mm. but it's far less frequent. And I suppose the dynamic of their relationship, I would wonder what that would be like. But let's be real. Women, everyone actually, and anyone, women and men are given positive feedback for how they look, which means they then invest more time in how they look, but women more so. And that enables women to get a man with, let's say, more money or more power, higher status. And if we're looking at ourselves as animals, the woman wants the best, in quote marks, man. And that's why people are in relationships where someone may not be very nice to them, but they have high status. But not, not necessarily happiness. Yes, they're not necessarily happy, but they have status. I'm getting into contentious territory here, and this is a whole topic in itself. Just planting that seed. Unfortunately, the more positive feedback that you get for something, the more you'll invest in it. Yeah. It makes you feel good. But then it also can make you neurotic about that thing. Yeah. So just to reflect and to kind of round things off, because we have digressed a lot. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot of content to get through. But um, I knew this would happen um, because it's... Yeah, it's us. <laughs> it's us and we just... <laughs> um, we're kind of similar beasts, Chloe and I. Um, 
I think if you knew us, you'd, you'd get it. Um, <laughs> but just to round off with my New Year's resolutions, just so you can kind of see how I'm thinking and I'm thinking a little bit differently. I am building upon what I'm already doing. So I exercise, but I exercise about three times a week consistently, occasionally four. I want to exercise five times a week. Do you so, run? Yeah, because I, I did a half marathon this year, which I'm very pleased about. The goal is to do a marathon this year. I didn't get a, a London marathon place, but I'm going to have a look at some other marathons. I tried ballot and charities. I didn't get a place. So goal is a marathon this year. That is just building upon what I'm already doing, though, because I do run. But also I want to increase my mobility and, and that sort of thing. So I also want to be doing yoga every day. Something achievable. 20 minutes. I have tight hammies, man. So I need to work on that. I am not going to set learning Spanish as a goal, even though it's something I want to do. It's not going to help me achieve the goals I want to imminently. So I'm putting that to one side and I'm not going to punish myself for that. I really want to be consistent with the podcast, one episode every two weeks, and to try and increase the listenership. And I'm going to have a goal of 10,000 listeners per episode by this time next year. And you must be audacious with your goals. And I believe if I'm consistent, because I think that what I talk about is worth hearing, is something I would listen to. And like I said before, often people create what they need to hear and what they need to know. And if I need to know it, then I'm sure other people do too. And hopefully it's just my communication style that might be the, the unique selling point, as they say. I am going to, obviously I'm going to, stick with my veganism and I think that's it really so building upon the podcast which I'm already doing and the exercise and yeah what what about you Chloe anything I haven't set any yet no but I think it's because um I don't think mine will be multiple I think it will be more singular this year because I've gone through a lot of changes so I think actually I it really is what I'm going to be doing with my every day. So career, I'm yeah. working on some, you know, things, but I want to be satisfied with what I'm doing next. So I think that's the next. Uh, and we're talking job wise here. My career. Career wise. Yes. Mm. The great thing, though, is that you may feel unsure, even down, whatever how you feel but you quit and you were brave enough to do that mm. so that is in my opinion one step ahead from someone who may have job security mm. but they're unhappy mm. and at least you're going for it and let's just remember that pretty much everyone who was successful had these times not once and not twice many times mm. we just see the end product and they're still going through that so just don't operate from a place of fear. Absolutely. And just like the Nike swoosh says, just do it. Just do it. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was quite cathartic for me, actually, just saying some things out loud. May have got a bit so, personal, but mm. maybe that helps people relate. So, yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming 
and spending your Sunday with me. And you can follow me on Instagram at the pseudo intellect or on Facebook at the pseudo intellect. I'm also going to have a YouTube channel soon, my website up soon and TikTok throwing it all out there because you know it's just to try and amplify it's social media isn't the thing it's just a way to increase my listenership if you're wondering what the fuck I'm doing on social media <laughs> that I've just got to play the game guys girls just trying to make our way in the world don't hate so <laughs> I honestly I feel like a right dickhole but I've just got to get comfortable with it like me doing insta stories um Homer's going to be featuring more watch this space (laughs) so yeah thank you so much thank you for listening until the next time goodbye